0: But here's where here's where that becomes potentially a reality (laughs) is and probably where that story comes from is when you look at places like Atlanta and Charlotte and Dallas, where there are thousands and thousands and thousands of homes owned by these companies. Raleigh Durham, North Carolina is consistently named one of the fastest growing areas in the country and one of the best areas for families. We cover everything real estate, recreation, restaurants, and just what makes Raleigh-Durham a great place to live. This is the RDU Buzz podcast.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the RDU Buzz, where we talk all about news happening in the area, restaurants, recreation, real estate, all kinds of development in our area.
0: Yeah. So, um, sorry about last week. We, uh, I think the... Really, the whole family was sick last week. I yeah. probably could have pulled it off, but that would have left you with the kids by yourself being sick. So um, anyway, so uh, glad to be back this week. So you might have saw the topic when it came up last week. Um, institutional investors is essentially what we're going to cover tonight. And it's it's really it's a fascinating topic for a lot of reasons. Um, mainly because it's a very controversial topic. When when you know you, you you typically if people know about institutional investors they typically have a pretty um, a pretty um, firm opinion on this. And yeah. um, so tonight we're going to dig into essentially what are institutional investors, why are they a big deal. Um, how many of them are in our market how many of them are in the national market and we're going to really dig into some really interesting data i think but before we get started make sure to put in the comments where you are joining from looks like uh next level is joining in from raleigh good to have you next level thanks for tuning in thanks
1: for tuning in again
0: yeah 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 Um, we like
1: to see who is coming from the farthest it's always interesting uh to me to see people watching from like you know different states but also across the globe it's crazy like italy and qatar have been some of our furthest so far someone was in like somewhere in central america i can't remember uh where a couple weeks ago so it's pretty cool so thank you guys for letting us know where you're watching from
0: yeah absolutely so a lot of the data that we're going to go over tonight has um been put together by a, a a guy named lance lambert so lance lambert is um I guess he's a data analyst, and if you've ever seen those graphs that uh, Fortune Magazine puts out, where basically they take Zillow data and they break it down onto this interactive map, you basically click each county and get, you know, what is the appreciation going on in this particular county. He's the one that builds those, and so he has a website. It's called uh, Resi Club, and uh, he puts out just an enormous amount of really. High level housing data, and one of the topics he talks about a lot is institutional investors. So he defines an institutional investor as um, an entity that owns one thousand single family homes or more. I don't know if that's like a, I guess a a, an across the board definition. I think it is. I think
1: that is like kind of like a legal definition of what it is. Because yeah, I think people have a misunderstanding of what it is, and I think. In general, when you're not in the marketplace, I think people think every single rental is owned by an institutional investor, when in reality, very few of them are owned by institutional investors. And most of them are actually just owned by normal people that might just have a yep. couple homes that they, you know, they lived in and instead of selling it, they rented it out as like part of their retirement or something yeah. like that. And they're just like your normal mom and pop kind of. Yes, yeah,
0: exactly. And we'll get some, uh, into some numbers to kind of back that up here in a second. But, um, yeah, so the definition of an institutional investor is an entity that owns a hundred or a thousand, uh, single family homes or more. So this isn't like an apartment complex or any kind of commercial space like that. We're talking about single family, single family properties. Um, by the way, I would love to know y'all's thoughts as we talk about this because pe- people have a lot of opinions on on this subject, and you Definitely. should. Um, but anyway, so I'd love I'd love to know your thoughts. So that's the definition of an institutional investor. Um, a good example of this is is an institution called Blackstone. Blackstone, is essentially, a hedge fund company that comes in. Um, you know, they're obviously worth billions and billions of dollars, and it's a big deal. Because if you're in a multiple offer situation, right, so you are, you've are, you got a house, it's the dream house, you love it, you're putting an offer in, there's multiple offers involved. The fear and why this is a big deal is because you as an average person could be bidding against this multi-billion dollar company coming in to also purchase this property. And obviously, as a normal person... We don't stand a chance, right? And so,
1: yeah, for some people, you know, it depends on what they're going to offer. But for a lot of people, you know, they're like, "Hey, my, I need a loan. I'm not paying cash. Like, I can only go so high up on this, so it can be hard to be, you know, people don't want to go up against, you know, an institutional investor. And I think people who live in an area don't want all the housing to be bought up by what feels like a company, and it just doesn't feel. It just feels kind of icky, <laughs> um, you know. People want the chance to become homeowners, and so I think you know it, it at least leads to this perception that that's what's wrong with the housing market, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> next level said, doesn't Blackstone own several thousand homes? They do. Um, and uh, we'll so there's this really interesting chart that shows where they primarily own, and we'll get into that in a second. But they they do they they own a significant number number of homes. Yeah. So what led me to um, to essentially come up with this topic for tonight is Blackstone is purchasing. So right now they own a company called um, uh, Home Partners of America. Home Partners of America owns a lot of houses in the country. And Blackstone is acquiring. I think it's Tricon. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce that. Tricon residential that's what it looks like. Yeah who also owns thousands of homes in the country. And so they're, they're merging and uh, Blackstone will become, I believe the third largest, um, essentially hedge fund company that owns um,
1: single family, that
0: owns single family homes. Um, So to get into some of the numbers and I'm going to share this screen, um, especially uh, next level. So you can, you can see it. So looking at it nationwide, these are homes owned by Blackstone. Um, you've got Atlanta. I mean, look at Atlanta. That is crazy.
1: Yeah, seven thousand owned by Tricon and four thousand by um, Home Partners of America. So you're talking yeah. about like oh, going to end up having eleven thousand houses, single yeah. family homes in yeah. Atlanta. And Atlanta's a big city, so I mean, it's still, I guess, in perspective, is a, a small. Yeah. percentage wise but that's a lot of houses for <laughs> one company to own and be renting out.
0: It is and then you have uh Dallas Fort Worth um right at a little over 5000 Concord and Charlotte. They have massive numbers in those areas as well. Yeah. And so you have a you have several cities here where it is these companies are highly highly invested in. Um but then you get down to Raleigh Cary It's a very small, it's a very small number.
1: Yeah. And so thankfully we're only at home partners doesn't own any yet and Tricon. So Blackstone's about to, because they're acquiring Tricon, but they own, they own less than 800 right now. So that's a pretty small, a pretty small amount. I mean, that's obviously 800 homes that like a person couldn't have a normal person couldn't have bought for their family, but at least I guess it's 800
0: rentals. Yeah, exactly. And so the, I, I guess my, my point in all this is in our area, at least the, this isn't as big of a deal, thankfully, as it is in some of these other areas. And if you look at it nationally, too, um, these if you added up every single one of these institutional investors and in every single home that they own nationwide, they would only own 0.73% of all homes in the country, which is a pretty small number, which is pretty reassuring. Because I I think when you hear some of the horror stories in this and in some areas, obviously it's, it's different in, you know, that, I mean, that's the number that spreads it out across the country. But when you're looking at what they own in like in Atlanta or Dallas or Charlotte, it's a little different. (laughs) Uh, But 0.73 is not a doomsday scenario.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cause when you go on, like, if there's like a news article shared or something about the housing market on facebook by like a news company or something like that. I feel like the comments are always, you know, everybody thinks they know the reason why the housing market's so bad. It's um, you know, the inventory is only tight because I feel like everybody says it. The because of all the institutional investors that are in there and it's just like, well, I don't think that's really like the whole picture of yeah. what's going on with the housing market. Sure, it could play into the scenario every now and then, but at the end of the day, there's just not a lot of inventory and there's a lot of people looking yeah. to move. So. But
0: here's where here's where that becomes potentially a reality <laughs> is, and probably where that story comes from, is when you look at places like Atlanta and right, Charlotte yeah. and Dallas, where there are thousands and thousands and thousands of homes owned by these companies. Um, and it's a higher percentage. So out of all the companies that these are all the... Um, if if you add up you know these uh, the all the homes that these companies own, over a third of them are only in a handful of markets: Atlanta, Charlotte, Tampa, um, and Dallas. And so that's where the bulk of this buying is happening. So these companies will come in and they'll essentially just bulk buy in a handful of zip codes, which then obviously makes it tough for the average American to compete. Right. Um, fortunately for for us, our area is not is not that way.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And I know there were some like different bills and things proposed to like kind of crack down on institutional investors. I don't know how those would really, you know, go into being passed or anything like that or if they ever would because it it could kind of cross into this like oh, a homeowner should be able to sell their house to whoever they want to. Um, but I guess we'll we'll see what kind of happens with that and how yeah. they classify like an institutional investor if the government would classify it as a thousand or more or a different number.
0: Yeah. And that was actually, to that point, there was actually a bill introduced in, um, I believe it was in the Senate, the US Senate. Um, I don't think it's gaining much, much traction, but um, <clears throat> it was essentially, uh, would no longer allow hedge funds to purchase properties would be one. And then two, it would force those companies that own properties to essentially divest them. And so wow! Sell them off. And Interesting. He so, so can't um, be like
1: grandfathered in. That would be really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be really yeah, crazy. It seemed.
0: Um, I forget who the senator, the senator was. I had it. It was in one of these articles. Um, uh, wow. Jeff Merkley of Oregon. Wow! Um, actually, I'm sorry. I said it was U.S. it his U.S. House. Um, well, it looks like a
1: U.S. senator and a U.S. House rep
0: oh yeah 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 uh-huh you're right you're right Introduced the uh end hedge fund control of american homes act so i haven't i mean th- this was um this was put out several months ago and i haven't heard anything since so it seems like it seems like it it it, it might not be uh pushing through but um i mean at, at the end of the day you know it, it, while 0.73 percent is not a large percentage it could, I mean, it could spiral out of control if it's not, if it's not something that, that, that is handled or regulated, I should yeah, say. So.
1: for sure, for sure. And those that are watching or those that are watching the replay later would love to know your thoughts on yeah. if you think there should be uh, government yeah. regulation should there on be these government kind of things or I mean, should, a, a, should there just be a free market a, for anyone or any company to be able to buy homes or should it have to be? non-investors or at least non-hedge fund investors
0: because the the housing market is is such a large topic right now like it it will be it will be part of the next election cycle um on on both sides of the aisle the housing market will be discussed plans will be put forward of how to help with affordability Um, and i think this is this is a piece um a piece of that Um, yeah Next level says sounds like they're trying to gobble up the market. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you, I mean, especially you look at those regions in like Atlanta or Charlotte uh, or Tampa or Dallas, where where they are highly concentrated in purchasing up a lot of property, Um, like that. I mean, it is a big deal there. It is, it is a really big deal there. And so, um, if I was living in those cities, it would not be something I would be very, very happy about.
1: So. Yeah, for sure. And I wouldn't be very happy if it was, you know, my neighbor's house or something got bought up by that like an institutional yeah, investor. Yeah. Like, oh, I really wanted it to be a real person, you know, <laughs> like yeah. a new neighbor. Right. So I think just from a home, the frustration of the other home buyers, but also the frustration of the people like living around it. Um, is it's definitely just can be frustrating. Yeah. All around.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Moving on from that topic. Um, those oh, actually,
1: Crystal made a good point. Oh. She said, "I think there should be some regulation. Home ownership is so important for building wealth, and the investors jeopardize that. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, people who own homes are significant have significant more um, wealth in their life than people that don't. And yep. you know, I think it's such an important part of building wealth in your life, especially as you come to like a retirement age. And those who never had the opportunity to buy are definitely not in as good of a." financial position yeah. like in that retirement portion of their life um yeah. as those who have so for sure
0: yeah and that's and that's spot on and and you know i we we touched on this um one one evening one live i can't remember when it was um i don't think you had started doing them yet but we covered a um, a build to rent community that was being built
1: oh yeah i remember that
0: and uh were you on? were you on there? no yeah, i just remember you talking it was about yeah it. but i i i just it that it, it doesn't sit well with like an apartment complex is one thing because it just doesn't take up a large portion of land, but right and it's you,
1: important. I yeah, mean, you need to have a re- is, there yeah. has to be rentals, there has you to know, be rentals. like there has to be. But yeah, but to
0: take up as you as know much the space, amount of space, yeah, and with acres, like single family homes, yeah, kind of weird. Um, essentially, a company building a neighborhood to profit off of the rentals on this massive amount of space that could have gone to Crystal's point, um, to a homeowner to build wealth yeah for family for so, sure um yeah it's just it's just a it's just a odd, it's an odd thing um but anyway so moving on from the institutional investors there was a study that came out um point two i don't know i don't know who point to i don't know who this company is yeah but I, they did a, i don't
1: know i don't know it says they do reports and studies <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but they put out a report talking about places where it's the best place for Gen Z to have a chance of owning a home. Yep. And Durham, North Carolina made the list, it which did. is kind of shocking to me. So I don't know how much stuck. I put in the point too, but uh, it was an interesting, an interesting study.
0: Yeah, Durham is number seven on the list. So you got places like Memphis, Fort Worth, Scottsdale, uh, Detroit, and you have Durham. And it's interesting. So, if you look at some of the some of the statistics on here, um, Durham they they have this um, category home price change. Durham is the only one that had, well, I shouldn't say the only one. I, I the the only one above one percent that yeah. had some housing um um uh, appreciation or growth. Yeah, everyone else was was in the negative. So Durham's like the bright spot yeah. on this list.
1: Yeah. So there are different categories where home price to income ratio, home price change over time, um, homes sold over the listed price, days yep. on the market, and the Gen Z home ownership rate and, and unemployment rate. So those were the categories they were looking into rank them. I still find it a little odd that Durham made the list in Scottsdale, Arizona, because Scottsdale, Arizona is a well-known like luxury market. So a little surprised by that. Other places kind of make sense. You know, like, Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, like it just seems like a lower population and maybe an easier entry yeah. point into the market. So I thought it was interesting that Durham, Durham made the list because I feel like the people we're helping buy in Durham can have a hard time with bidding wars and stuff sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it. it I think I mean it, it kind of makes sense though because when you when you look at the triangle as a whole, Durham is more affordable for sure than than,
1: than Raleigh. Yeah,
0: than Raleigh yeah. is more affordable than Cary or Apex or wake forest or chapel hill and so it is it's a it's a thriving market that is still affordable yeah even even within the triangle itself right and so um this is int- it has the gen z unemployment rate durham is by far the lowest at 1.5 percent
1: wow interesting
0: yeah 1.5 yeah
1: that's very interesting with
0: detroit being the highest at 11 percent um,
1: I wonder where Gen Zers are working in the triangle. I'm curious about it now.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean that's a good that's a good question. But yeah, I, I thought I thought it was cool that Durham made the list. I thought it kind of made sense. I mean, when you think of Durham as a city, um, you know, it is it's a it's a growing city that is still surprisingly affordable based on kind of what is around it and what those price points are.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious, what is the actual age? What's the oldest Gen Z? I
0: I have no idea. Yeah.
1: I don't really know because I'm just wondering if some of those people maybe... Because we've helped a lot of people in the past that are moving in for like medical school or residency. 97
0: to uh, 2012 is Gen Z.
1: Okay. So 97 would be like 25 roughly uh, i don't know but anyway i, I do wonder <laughs> how many of those people maybe are enrolled like at duke and maybe their maybe their parents pitched in and helped them buy a house yep. while they were in medical school or in residency or something because that could also kind of contribute to that unemployment rate being kind of low but that's yep. very interesting i'd love it is it would be interesting to see i mean obviously we only have a little bit of information here but how they kind of came to those numbers
0: yeah it is so anyway high school
1: Good job, Durham.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Raleigh, um, so out of the top 100, Charlotte was 27, Greensboro was 28, Raleigh was 43.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting to me because I feel like Greensboro is much more affordable than
0: Durham it is. is. Yeah. So it's very think interesting. I guess all the
1: other, maybe not as much employment for Gen Z in Greensboro.
0: Yeah, maybe so, maybe yeah. so. All right, the next topic we're going to cover...
1: This is an exciting one.
0: Yeah, I'll let you lead this one off.
1: Fuquay is getting a (laughs) Target. Target is coming to Fuquay, which is really exciting for the people that live there. I know that I'm sure it's going to be a relief to get a store like a Target. Um, Because, I mean, as much as, you know, anyone wants to say it, Target is like, I feel like it's just like a necessary part of life to have a superstore kind of thing around where you can go in and get everything you need within mm-hmm. one spot um and I, I think Fuquay does have a walmart already i don't recall yeah, I'm not sure. um but it'll be nice to have that target there yeah. for sure be helpful for people
0: it will it will and it's uh, so if you've ever been to um if if you're local and you've ever been to garner um <clears throat> in garner there's this uh, really nice shopping center called white oak um the same company or White Oak Crossing, I believe. Yeah. Um, the same company that developed White Oak Crossing is the one that's going to develop this. Okay, um, nice. that's, a, I mean, a, that's a really nice development in 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 Garner. There's a lot of new construction neighborhoods kind of popping up around around that um, around that uh, that 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 retail development, right? Um, and so yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be a really nice. This will be a really nice shopping center. So
1: yeah, and I'm sure it's going to anchor it sounds like some other things too. So hopefully maybe some more restaurants and I don't know, maybe other small businesses.
0: Yeah. So um, it says it'll feature um, 800,000 square feet of retail space um, with office and multifamily buildings and will be built out over the next, over the next 10 years.
1: Okay. So it might yeah. be 10 years until you get your target, but yeah,
0: but it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> um, yeah. It's going to be called gold, gold leaf, crossing so kind of kind of continuing that like similar name that they went with in uh in garner as far as the the, the, yeah, the instead of a
1: white does. oak it's a gold leaf
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah you gotta have
1: like a a plant and a color
0: yeah yeah uh-huh. but um if this will be on kind of on like a main stretch this in this in downtown not not downtown fuquay but this uh the 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 stretch of real estate this will be on has quite a bit of development already there um it's got like fast food restaurants and, you know, stuff like that, grocery stores and whatnot. Um yeah. But uh yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. You know, places I, I I've always said, and, and yeah, you know, I've said it about places like Clayton um and Fuquay, you know, th- these are places where sometimes the residential development outpaces the commercial development. And so anytime you get, Commercial development wins in these areas. It's a big deal. It's yeah, a really big deal yeah. because these areas, like the population in these areas,
1: it's exploding. is exploding. Yeah.
0: and you need you need developments like this to help meet that growth.
1: Right, right. You don't want to move to an area and feel like, oh, I moved to fuquay but I always have to drive to tar to Raleigh to get yeah. to Target or something. Like you don't, you know, it's a developing area with a growing population, and it definitely could sustain its own Target.
0: For yeah, sure. yeah. Johnston County did get a target. Um, Johnston County is where Clayton is. Um, well, I, I said they did get a target. They're going to get a target. Uh, but it's going to be, I believe, in Selma and not oh, in Clayton. which is so,
1: which is, yeah, kind of weird. I've been rooting for a Clayton Chick-fil-A and a Clayton Target for a while. You guys, have, you, I know y'all want one. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully <Yeah>. soon. <laughs> At least you can drive to Sel- I don't know if driving to Selma is any faster than just going to the Raleigh, Clay- the Raleigh Target for someone that lives in Clayton. Though. Yeah,
0: probably so. not depending on what part of Clayton you're in. Unfortunate. All right. So moving on from Target to some housing data. I'm actually, I'm, I'm really excited about some of the housing data, um, that, uh, that came out. Um, next level said I was on Zillow today and found 500 acres for 1 million in four. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. I can do um, some
1: serious commercial development. Yeah, like that. yeah. 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 <laughs> 500 acres.
0: Um, so <clears throat> in January, um, this past month, it was without a doubt the absolute busiest January we've ever had. I mean, I felt like I was just running crazy. Um, yeah,
1: it was really busy
0: and it's good to see some like data behind this and that this wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just us, but it, but it's kind of the market, um, moving. And so there is, I'm try to, a little, uh, here we go. Try to shrink this down some so I can see it. All right, so I'm going to share this screen with y'all. I got some housing data on here. All right, so new listings, that's a really big number that everyone cares about. I mean, look at look at this jump from December to January. December the new listings in the market were 2,000. January they were right at 3,500. So essentially, that means 3,500 new houses were listed in January. Now, why is this a big deal? Because this is the biggest January for new listings we have had since 2021. That's awesome. Which is a great sign for the market to come, I think, as far as loosening up of inventory. So the problem
1: we we need some inventory badly. So,
0: yeah, the problem. (laughs) in the past has been over the past several years is there's just, there's not enough inventory to meet the buying demand. And so new listings is the way you fix that more listings hit the market to meet that buyer demand competition, um, can hopefully level out some, but, um, 3,400, 3,500 3, new listings hit the market this January, last January, it was 3,100. January before that in 2022, also 3,100. You have to go back all the way to 2021 to find a better January. So I think that's a a huge deal.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great because it's definitely been, you know, with the interest rates rising last year, there was a lot of fear with people. I feel like you had this lock-in effect where they were not wanting to move because they're like, look, I've got a 4% interest rate on a less expensive house. If I wanted to move, I'd have to get a higher interest rate on a house. That's probably not as nice as the one I'm in to like keep my payment similar, you know? So I think people are glad that we're not at those 8% numbers. It feels a little more stable, even though we're still, still higher than, you know, I'm sure people would like, like sitting closer to the upper sixes. Um, you know, I think people are, are ready to make a move and ready to put their house on the market.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'll be really interested. I mean, you look at you look at all these past years, new listings in January, and they start to tick up all the way until midsummer, um, and <clears throat> really until May, and then you kind of start to see like a little bit of a decline off from that. Um, so if we're seeing this in January, I think it bodes really well. For, for this year. And yeah, so if we can yeah. see inventory improve, cause I, I, you know, the, the, the demand right now has really shocked me, especially, you know, I've been tracking interest rates and last week interest rates hit 7% again. Now they're right under 7%. Now they're at 6.9. Um, but the demand with the high interest rates has really, has really shocked me cause it is, is significant.
1: Yeah. I think people are just Accustomed to it now, yeah, you know they've been so this too. way since like the middle of last year, and people just know it is what it is. I don't think it's going to really change. Yeah. I feel like last year people were like, "It's going to change any day now," and then it would change, but for the worse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it would keep going up, and now it's like, okay, it went down a little, and it's kind of just feels steady and similar. So I think people just feel more comfortable; doesn't feel as volatile as it did this time last year.
0: Exactly. So yeah, I think uh I think all the signs right now are pointing to a really a really strong year in the housing market when it comes to new listings, when it comes to home buyer demand, um, you know, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing multiple offers across the board pretty much at every single price point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for sure. I think, uh, um, sure. yeah, the
1: competition, the buyers are there and ready and thankfully some of the sellers are catching up.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think it's good. Um, yeah, the only absolutely. other topic I have, I didn't pull a news story for it cause it was kind of fresh mm-hmm. yesterday by Saul, uh, Disney, is um investing 1.5 billion dollars into Epic Games, which hmm. is the reason that's a big deal. Epic Games, a lot of people may not know this, but they are headquartered in Cary.
1: Yep, yep, headquartered so, here in Cary. They bought that yeah. mall and then never did anything with it. I know.
0: I know. It's so <laughs> so. There's a there's an old. It was um uh, Cary Town yeah, Center. I think? Yeah, I, yeah, I believe so. Or Cary Town Mall. Or I, yeah, uh, yeah, I I can't remember like that. But anyway they bought the mall and they basically tore it down to build in their new office. And, and it's, it's really just kind of sitting there. Yeah, and I actually, I, I think I covered this several, several months ago on here. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it, it's, 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 it's kind of odd. Um, but maybe this 1.5 billion, Investment from Disney will help expedite that yeah. building <laughs> that building process some. Um, yeah. But yeah. anyway, I thought that was cool. That's a you know, and that 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 investment is is obviously it's an investment in in the company, but that yeah, company not in real estate, but yeah, but that company is here. is headquartered here. Yeah, so that investment goes back to our area to a degree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's true.
0: Cool. All right. Well, that is all that I have for tonight. Um, I appreciate y'all joining in. Um, seriously, let us know your thoughts. Uh, if you're watching this in the future, let us know your thoughts, especially on the institutional in, investors. I just thought that was an interesting topic to hit—one um, that folks are really passionate about, and and rightly so. They sh- you should be passionate about that. I mean, that's a that's a big deal. Um, so, would love to know your thoughts. But that's all we got, and we will see y'all next week.
1: See you next week.